Koko Dumelang Mzanzi, I am Nolutando Ngakani, your head of news at Health for Mzanzi, the brand new sister publication to Food for Mzanzi. Health for Mzanzi is not a regular publication about diseases and illness. On Health for Mzanzi, we unpack the very complex relationship between our health and food. Joining me on this podcast, my colleague and co-sister, Sinesi Potom. Hey Lulu, and to our listeners, welcome back to Sisters Without Shape, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. Now, if you are still scratching your head wondering why this podcast is called Sisters Without Shame, well, you know those secret medical shames you simply cannot share with anybody else? You don't need to suffer in silence anymore. Yes, Mzanzi. Every week, we will be your sisters in shame, holding your hand as we unpack your ailments with an expert who has all the right answers to those ever so embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. This podcast, it's a safe space and a judgment-free zone. Miskat. If you're ever freaking out over that painful ingrown toenail, or maybe you're losing your edges at an alarming rate. No problem. You have turned into the right podcast. Ngoo has me by the throat this week, Sine. We only have two months left until we are in December. And I don't have my aspirational flat stomach yet. Don't even start, Lulu. No one talks about how complex health journeys really are. On Health from Zanzi, I recently read a feature on Nondumiso Penyani. I think she goes by vegan attempts on Insta. She was saying how it is important to find your own motion in terms of your health journey. It is not a sprint. Healthy living is a marathon, she said. You know, and I've been trying to make little changes here and there. And I've been munching more greens, more fruit, and walking more. And I feel lighter, but I'm not where I want to be yet. I think we forget that the real change comes once you realize that health is not some quick fix. Although sometimes I do wish I had enough money in the bank for a little nip tuck. But I don't have chanku. <laughs> Girl, that is a topic for another day. We have a friend in crisis to attend to. Now, as our listeners do know, on every episode, we will listen to a voice note, read a WhatsApp, or email message received from a Health Form Zanzi reader. Remember, your messages are confidential and we will never mention your name, unless you want us to. Who is our friend in crisis this week, Sine? Lulu, this week we have a writing from Val and Gauteng. It reads, Hi, Lulu and Sine. I'm in my matric year, and one day I dream of becoming a doctor. I don't really know what to expect. I've applied and I've been accepted at a few schools. People say it'll be hard. Do you have any advice on how I can make my dream come true? Oh, this writing is a dream come true for many parents in Mzanzi. We know that many high school students have the dream to become medical doctors. But unfortunately, there are not enough medical schools in South Africa or even enough spaces in lecture theatres. The demand for medical doctors in South Africa far exceeds the supply. 
I don't think we talk about what happens after you receive your Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery though. For me, the healthcare sector is a bit of a mystery. Luckily, I know someone who has just started their journey as a junior doctor. Our guest today is Dr. Moratwe Masima, and she is currently doing her medical internship at the Chris Honey Baraguanath Hospital in Johannesburg. It is important to mention that Moratwe is also a top 10 finalist in this year's Miss South Africa pageant. Um, so our friend this week has her sights firmly set on a career in medicine. You know, what advice would you give to her as she enters this journey? So for me, how I got into medicine was simply that I, I looked at myself in matric and I thought to myself, you know, I really need to choose a career that I can wake up every single day and know that I am either super fulfilled, I am happy and I'm making a difference in my community or in society. Because I really believe that when you do live your life in the service of others, you get a level of fulfillment that nothing else can give you, not any amount of money, not any amount of, I would say, fame or anything. You get a level of just confidence and fulfillment in your life that I cannot explain. And that's why I can explain and I can sit here and I can go through the real difficult days in medicine because medicine challenges you in so many different ways. Not only are you dealing with people's lives, you are seeing people die on the daily. You're dealing with the socioeconomic situations and circumstances that your patients come with. And you are challenged emotionally, physically, and mentally. I think that that's exactly the reason why I chose medicine because I knew that I wouldn't regret that decision because I would wake up every day and feel fulfilled. Whereas if I went into something because I was looking at engineering the whole throughout my high school career, I thought I was going to go into chemical engineering specifically because I've always been interested in one day having my own skincare line. And I thought, okay, having that background of understanding the science behind it would really help me get to the other side. But I felt like, you know, it's not people-centered. Uh, and, I, and I thought, okay, medicine is where I'm going to go. And I was lucky enough in matric to be invited by Stellenbosch University, which was one of the universities that I applied at, to come and see what it's like being a medical student, going into hospital for the very first time, because I hadn't been exposed to any of this. I'm the first doctor in my family, so it was so new. Going into the laboratory and actually holding a human brain, holding a human heart, it sounds gory to a lot of people, but when I was there, I realized this is exactly where I need to be. I'm, I'm excited by this. I'm enthralled by this. I'm able to really learn and make a change. And that's how I chose medicine. I always imagine Doc McStuffins. I don't know if you guys <laughs> But I need to catch up on one episode at least. <laughs> of, of Doc McStuffins. Ugh. You know, what are the options for internships in, in, in South Africa? You know, for us who don't know the ins and outs in terms of how you do find programs. So basically how it works in South Africa is that you get through um, your six or seven years of medical school. Everybody has to do that undergraduate degree, which is your MBCHB, your degree in medicine and surgery. Once you're done with that, you can't go into private practice as yet because you need to complete your internship and your community service. So internship is for two years straight after medical school. We apply via the government. So basically the government is the one that gives us our jobs and places us at the different hospitals across South Africa. Africa. What we do is in the middle of your final year of medical school, they open up the websites and basically say, choose your top five hospitals across the country where you would like 
to do your internship for. A lot of people choose hospitals based on a, a variety of reasons. Either they want to get exposure in certain um, specialties, because for example, if you want to be a pediatrician, there might be a hospital that is very well versed in that specific field. So you would choose that hospital. Some people want to be closer to their family. And so they choose a specific province or a specific hospital. There's a variety of reasons. And so you choose your top five, then it is almost like a randomized way of being chosen in the sense that some people get their first choice. I would say 65% of people get their first choice. However, there's a lot of people that don't. And then they move down the list of your second choice, your third choice, your fourth choice, and your fifth choice. But how it works then is that you get placed and you find out where your placement is at the end of the year. We then get the opportunity because by the end of the year, it's December and we start working on the 1st of January. So you literally move from being a medical student and being in university and not really realizing that, wow, I've actually achieved this. I'm so excited and I'm going to be doing what I've been working so hard for in a matter of four weeks. And now you have to show up on the 1st of January and everybody's calling you Dogotela and you're like, oh my gosh, that's really me. <laughs> They're not calling someone else. They're telling me that I have to prescribe something. I have to go do that. <laughs> so it's actually a very exciting time. It, it's very awe-inspiring. It's, it's a beautiful moment, but definitely from then on, you do your internship for, for two years. The purpose of internship is to make sure that you are a well-rounded doctor because we go through rotations where we basically, every three months, we basically rotate through different disciplines in medicine, from surgery to pediatrics, to internal medicine, to dermatology, all the different specialties. And that basically makes sure that by the end of the two years, you can work anywhere in the world. You can open up your own practice if you wish to do so. You can go specialize abroad. Basically, it just makes sure that you are the best type of doctor and you can deal with anything that's thrown at you. You're gravitating then toward reconstructive surgery. Yes, for the time. <laughs> I'm hoping that. Obviously, I'm, I'm also trying to use my internship period to really learn more about all the different disciplines because every single one comes with its own challenges. And I'm very open-minded. So I was thinking, okay, let me just use this to learn and get as much exposure in each of them because I will know by the end of the two years how I feel. So yeah, definitely I'm hoping those that surgery is, is still there. What are the challenges that student doctors are facing? You know, how do you cope as an intern, especially in a pandemic? I'll answer two parts of that question because there's the student doctor part and the intern parts because a student doctor, you are still in the process of becoming a doctor. Then an intern doctor, you're a junior doctor, but you are already a doctor. And the challenges are, I would say, very different from each other. So as a student doctor, I talk about it a lot because, wow, you know, for me, especially final year was literally one of the most difficult years ever, but not only because it was 2020 and everybody was going through it because 2020 was difficult for, I think everyone, I don't know one person that said 2020 was fantastic for them, but you know, we entered into our final year. Here comes this pandemic that no one has ever dealt with before. You don't really know what is happening. So the first thing that happened with us specifically was that we were actually still frontline workers. You're a student, you're learning under such difficult conditions, but we were actually the first people. I remember when the president said, everybody was still on a level five lockdown, but they said, finally, your medical students across the country have to go back <laughs> and go back to university, go back to the hospitals to assist 
in the pandemic. And a lot of people would think, okay, you guys sign up for this. You completely understand that at the end of the day, this is almost being like a soldier and you're being deployed because this is the career that you chose. But I think that a lot of people six years or seven years ago never, ever thought that there'd be a pandemic in our lifetime. So the challenges that student doctors face vary from, first of all, imposter syndrome, because a lot of us really don't feel like we actually belong there. We deserve to be there because medicine is so difficult. It's hard for me to explain to people that are not or have not gone through the program just how challenged you are. You are going through something that only very few people can really understand or relate to because you are still a student. You are still in university and you obviously deal with the university things that come with with being in university not only are you possibly going through some sort of financial struggles or financial exclusion which a lot of university students in South Africa experience you might also obviously be going through the workload which once again a lot of university students can relate to you know you go through something where you realize the gravity of the decision that you made that for us, skipping a module or skipping a chapter in a textbook could mean that you're going to not be able to treat somebody in the future. Or you're going to kill someone because that one chapter, that one module had that information that you needed in order for you to save someone's life. So when you are weighed down with those sort of thoughts, it brings out a certain level of imposter syndrome that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough to be in that position. But it's the same thing that I said, and I think in the very first question that you guys asked me, knowing that you have gone through five, six years of this already, you are enough. I just think that it's important for people to just keep remembering that regardless of what they're told or how they feel or what their marks look like, because trust me, I don't know one person that has not done or failed at least one test in medical school. We're not all exceptionally intelligent people that know everything. All of us have gone through something that have completely humbled us. But that is the first answer. The second question was in terms of an intern. So an intern doctor in South Africa is deemed as, an, as a junior doctor. We are going through an intense level of training where we are learning academically, but we are learning on the ground. So you are almost, yes, frontline workers, but we are the firing squad. So what that means is that we work 24-hour calls almost, I would say, two or three times a week. What that does to you is something, you know, you kind of go into survival mode where you are forcing yourself to detach your physical problems in the sense of you're not sleeping. You're super exhausted. You probably haven't eaten since the previous morning because it's such a busy day at work and you have to remove your own problems, your own complaints, yourself from the situation to try and save someone's life. And that's how you try to navigate every single day. Basically, when you're on call, when you go to work, because you are the person that people are going to call. The nurses are going to call you when there's a resuscitation that's happening in the ward. Everything and all those thoughts where you realize once again that this is something I studied and learned in medical school. And now I actually have to apply it in saving someone's life. Those are the thoughts that constantly come together in internship. You're fighting physical fatigue, mental fatigue. The emotional aspect is something I also really want to touch on because people, especially healthcare workers right now, are going through something called emotion fatigue or compassion fatigue. What that means is that with COVID, we've had to deal with a lot of death. Death where we're not used to seeing the numbers 
that we're seeing where you are the last person that someone is going to see before they pass away or you were talking to a patient five minutes ago, you come back and they're literally taking their last breath. Something happens to you psychologically that a lot of healthcare workers just try to brush off. But I think that it's so important that healthcare workers are able to really go home or speak to someone or seek some sort of mental health help because it's so easy to just keep moving on, keep going on to the next patient, thinking that it's not going to affect you. But I've seen so many people start to get burnt out, completely lose the heart and the love for the job because of what we're seeing every single day. And it is a coping mechanism to remove your emotions and only just come to work. But the importance of our job is that we work with people and we have to realize that it is so much more bigger than just you're dealing with the disease, whatever disease it might be. You're also dealing with people's lives. You're also dealing with you know, the emotional aspect of things. So that's basically what I would say intern doctors, healthcare workers are going through right now. There's a lot of apathy. The morale is quite low, but I'm hoping that with vaccinations, hopefully with the public trying their best as well to take care of themselves, that people will eventually come out of this drama. And what about paranoia of being infected? I would be so scared. Like, Mm-hmm. I'll probably get tested every week. <laughs> get scared, but at the same time, I had COVID, uh, I think in April. Luckily enough, it wasn't the most worst, worst, worst kind of COVID. It was just at the beginning of the third wave. But that's only because I was working in the COVID ward. But what I was worried about the most was living with my family at the time. So I was just trying my best to just not infect everyone else because I may be healthy, but I've got family members that have comorbidities and, you know, you blame yourself when something happens to someone else. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Dr. Moratwe. Remember to check out the detailed article on navigating medical internships on healthformzanzi.co.za. Now, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. That's H-E-L-L-O at healthformzanzi.co.za. I guess you could also send us a WhatsApp on 076-132-0454. That's 076-132-0454. I am amazed by the value these conversations give me. What's the take-home message for you this week, Sine? You know, doing the Sisters Without Shame podcast, you never know what you can uncover in an interview. Very powerful too, if I may add. You know, I was expecting to be painted a very Meredith Grey and Seattle Grey's picture, but I'm blown away by the tenacity and the resilience of doctors. Even though it was a small glimpse into the lives of junior doctors, I think I'll be looking at doctors differently from now on. The year 2020 and 2021 have been complete dumpster fires. I think it gives me a little more comfort knowing that my life is in the hands of these junior doctors that have been doing their internships in the pandemic. You are worthy of doing remarkable things. That brings us to the end of episode 8 of Sisters Without Shame. Proudly brought to you by Health Film Zanzi. From me, Lulu Makani. And me, Sinesi Potom. Have a great week and remember to show us some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. <laughs>